0: Leadership is more than just whatever product you make or whatever service you deliver. It's ultimately about the legacy that you're leaving in the world. And I had this moment of reading a question on that evaluation that said, what do you most enjoy about your work? And for 15 years, I had answered some variation of the the question by saying, to help people become their best version of themselves.
1: Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I'm excited about today's episode because it is a first for the Daily Helping Podcast. We have two outstanding guests bringing you their wisdom and experience. Karen Hurt and David Dye are keynote speakers and award-winning authors of Winning Well, A Manager's Guide to Getting Results Without Losing Your Soul. Karen is a top leadership consultant and CEO of Let's Grow Leaders. A former Verizon Wireless executive, she was named to Inc. magazine's list of great leadership speakers. David Dye is a former executive, elected official, and president of Let's Grow Leaders, a leadership training and consulting firm. Karen and David, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks so much for having us.
1: Our pleasure. Uh, It's so exciting to have you guys here. I know we've been trying to get this one scheduled for a while, and it's finally happened, so I'm thrilled about it. And I know you guys have both done a lot of really fascinating things in your careers, which have led to what you're doing now. Let's start by talking about your personal experiences in the corporate world and what led you guys to create Let's Grow Leaders. Sure thing. Uh, You know, we both had
0: some similar and yet very different journeys Karen, as you mentioned, was a former executive with Verizon, and I actually worked uh, for many, many years in my career as an executive in the nonprofit world in the human service realm. And so we uh, both had these journeys from the front lines into management, into executive leadership, and discovered that there wasn't a lot of good tools out there for ourselves. And so we started exploring those, learning them for ourselves. And and I had a moment in my journey, and I let Karen speak to her journey in just a second, where something that I think, Dr. Richards very much a part of your vocabulary as well. I was looking through 15 years of my own performance evaluations, and I had this moment of reading a question on that evaluation that said, what do you most enjoy about your work? And for 15 years, I had answered some variation of the the question by saying, to help people become their best version of themselves. And seeing that in black and white for 15 years, it was kind of a wake-up call that it was time for me to, to do work that was primarily that, as as focused on that as it could be. And I have such a passion for leadership and management and people who are in those, those realms that uh, – when I discovered Karen and her journey, it was really aligned. Karen, how did yeah, you say? Yeah,
2: I, I would agree. And you know, so for us, it's all about you've got to get the results, right? You can't be in business and not achieve, you know. And, and there's a lot of pressure to achieve breakthrough results and uh, beat the competition. And so I was always about that at Verizon. You know, there was a, a stack rank. If there was a stack rank, I wanted to be at the top of it. But what I found while I was doing that is that the only way to really do that in a sustainable way was to deeply invest in the human beings that were working on my team, uh, create real trust and collaboration, uh, work to understand uh, what motivated them at a deeper level and connecting what they were doing to what was really, really important and what the contribution that we were making in the world was. And you could say, well, you're selling cell phones, but when you think about it, uh, your your cell phone is your lifeline. And so how do you really connect people to, to everything that they're doing and why it matters. And so there was, there were a lot of tools that were available, but what I did not find was there were a lot of tools that helped you, what we call blend the bottom line with the human spirit and to get results and build relationships and to show up with confidence and humility uh, which is at the core of our winning well model.
1: So, David, on your end, it's helping people become who they're supposed to be in the most optimal way. And then, Karen, you're out here wanting to really leverage relationships within the workplace. If I'm here, if I'm paraphrasing what you were saying. And those two kind of sounded like, or they sound like a chocolate and peanut butter sort of thing. They're good by themselves, but better together. So so how did you guys connect with each other?
0: Well, we met online.
2: Not that kind of online.
1: No, it wasn't, it wasn't,
0: it wasn't the swipe right or swipe left, but like, I totally would have swiped right. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, it was, uh, we were both blogging as part of our mission while we were still working our, our corporate salary type jobs. Uh, we both started blogging to get the message that we had to share out with the world, very much as you're doing with the podcasting. And, and uh, in the course of that, we met and, and realized that we had some aligned messaging.
2: Now, David re- actually read an article that I had written for an HR website, and he said he, he was going through it. and He thought, I don't remember submitting this article. And then he got to the bottom, and it was my byline, not his. And, uh, so he, he, had, we had known each other, you know, from reading each other's stuff and communicated a little bit via email as a participant in my frontline festival, but we had never talked, but that made him pick up the phone <laughs> <laughs> and have a conversation.
1: And then from there, you guys created Let's Grow Leaders. Is that correct?
2: No, it's been a, a little bit of a longer journey than that. So, okay. uh, we then, um, both went to the same book publishing lab uh, for the National Speakers Association because we had both written a what I call our baby books, our, our starter books. Um, and that you know we felt good about them, but they, they weren't our platform, hey, this is what our message is for the next 10 years kind of book. And so we both wanted to take what we were doing next very seriously. And so we ended up both showing up at this couple-day workshop, and we realized pretty much we were writing the same book. Um, My key message was all about confident humility, and he was all focused on results and relationships. So we put all that together, and we had this confident humility results relationship winning well model. From and we're all about creating really practical tools that people could implement and use right away. We didn't want a theory book; we wanted an action book. And so we decided we could either be competitors and uh, try to publish at the same time, the same book, or or work together.
0: And the other piece that's important, I guess, is that we were each in business for ourselves. We each had our own company at that point and uh, doing the same thing, leadership development uh, training and and so on. So we decided to collaborate on the book and the book went really well and has won many different awards, been bestseller on different lists, and it's been recognized by Inc., by American Management Association, by 800 CEO Reads, all kinds of different uh, folks who have said, hey, this is a great book. And, and we know it is because we wrote the book that we wish we would have had in our careers. And so we're trying to share that with other people. But what's kind of fun is that after the book was published, then we fell in love.
2: So that's so we, we're in the process of a lot of mergers right now.
1: So <laughs> it sounds here. like it.
2: <laughs> we're, we're in the process of getting married. We're in the process of merging our companies. Uh, we're actually uh, jo- joining the companies officially together next month uh, with a big merger integration announcement and a lot of hoopla. So it's kind of exciting.
1: It's very exciting. I'm waiting. I'll wait for the the lifetime movie of that to to hit <laughs> the air. So <laughs> I, I want to talk a little bit about the the background of the book and, and not in terms of what brought you guys together and why you wanted to write it, but one of the things you, you both expressed were, you know, you wish that these tools had been out there. So how did you guys gather research and and put together the tools and strategies that are in this book? Uh, a combination of things. One is the school of hard knocks. Some of these you learn by
0: doing and you realize by making mistakes, oh my goodness, that doesn't work. You get taken aside by a, a caring mentor who says, hey, here's a different way to try that. And then you find that works. And then you start experimenting, put your own spin on it. So some of it is advising and experience. And then some of it is learning yourself. Uh, And then, you know, I think we both in our careers made a huge effort to be as widely read and studied in these things as we could. But then there's also the development of your own intellectual property. And I think Karen and I both have a tendency to say, where we don't see a model where we don't see an easy way of explaining something that we'll take the time to think it through and say, how can we make this digestible for somebody? What's the core concept here? And how can we make this easily implementable by somebody who has no spare time? You know, they're stressed they're They're under a lot of tension and and yet they need some things that are going to help them. So I think that's one of the ways. Yeah. And
2: I, I think for me, my last job at Verizon, I was working. I led all of our outsourced call centers, which were all over the country. So I had about 10,000 people that I was working to get all on the same page. They did not report to me, uh, most of them. And so I felt like I really needed to get what was in my brain simplified in a way that I could cascade and get other people mm-hmm. to help teach. Yeah, And so that made – you can't be, can't be theory there. It's got to be – Step one, step two, step three. And so I felt, and I, when David first met me, he's like, I sure about the acronyms. But some of the acronyms that we built um, and have continued to build in our IP really make things easy. A lot of the people we work with are folks who do not. Leadership does not come naturally for them. And they're finding themselves in leadership positions. Maybe they're engineers or architects or or uh, David deals with some spine surgeons, right? It's just not their main gig. And so how do you you break it down? So, for example, we have the darn model of giving bad news. Uh, You know, disclose your problem, take accountability, say what your response is, and then come up with solid next steps. People remember darn, and because darn, you do say darn when <laughs> you screwed up, right? And so we have a, a, some of those that have been really fun. And I, my brain tends to think that way when I ha- have an experience and I want to explain something. How do how do we break it down? Very structural. Yeah, I
0: think that's a really important point because I had the same thing where I was having to replicate these management strategies across the country in very disparate groups with people who may not have MBA type backgrounds or things like that. And, you know, humans serve as very motivated, passionate people, but without those tools. And so how do you make it digestible, actionable, and understandable?
1: And I think that that served us well in terms of how we went about building this. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And, and I, I think the DARN acronym is terrific, but I, I want to jump back just a little bit, Karen, something you mentioned specifically was these different elements which combined into the winning well model. So if you guys could take a couple moments and talk about the winning well model itself, that would be fantastic.
2: Yeah, so I'll start with the internal values. The internal values focus on confidence and humility. Uh, The confidence to know what you're good at and to bring that to the table, Uh, to stand up for what matters and to speak the truth. Uh, so we say, rock your roll and ditch the diaper genie, right? And so ditch the diaper genie is a, is a don't disguise the bad news thing. And then so that's confidence. And then humility is focusing on the, uh, you know, knowing your vulnerabilities, knowing that you're not perfect, surrounding yourself with people who will challenge you and uh, to admit your mistakes.
0: And so those are the internal values, confidence and humility, and you want to have those in combination. It's not an either or. We need both of them. And then similarly, as we focus out into the world and in the work that we do, we want to focus on both results and relationships. And most managers tend to focus on one or the other. And the invitation here is you'll do a lot better when you focus on both. And so results, that's knowing what matters most, What being clear about your what we call the MIT, mind the MIT. That's the most important thing to have clarity on that. Um, And to practice accountability, effective leaders and effective human beings, we hold ourselves accountable. Uh, Then it's that focus on relationships, investing in the people on your team, treating them with dignity as human beings, collaborating together. And so in every interaction you have with another human being, how can you both build those healthy professional relationships and achieve the business results that your team is there to achieve? And when we say business results, that is whether you're a, private for, uh, for-profit business, a nonprofit, a, a governmental entity, we all have results we're trying to achieve. But the team exists to do something together. And so how do we do that and build those relationships? And when you combine that internal focus on, on confidence and humility and then focus externally on results and relationships, that's when you start to achieve those breakthrough results that really last. And you can blend the bottom line with the human spirit.
1: You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you. And I can't wait to see where you'll go. Outstanding. And David, something you said regarding the MIT, the most important thing. What, what jumps out to me is I know that leaders in whatever sector of business they're in have so much on their plate. What's the best way to to figure out what your MIT is? That's a
0: fantastic question there, Dr. Richard. And a number of ways you can go about it. One of my favorites is to ask of all the things that you're looking at, what's the one thing that's going to make the greatest difference to get you to work to where you need to go? And where you need to go maybe in building the relationships, it may be a results oriented. There's a number of different things that might be, but Where's the greatest leverage? There's going to be almost always something that is the one thing that if you did it, that's going to make everything else different or not as important.
2: Yeah, we have a couple of really practical tools that we use with folks to help get there. One is we, we do an end-of-year planning letter. And so, in fact, we're about to go work with a client in a few minutes here to do this, where you say, you write a letter to your boss as if it were the, a year later. And you say, dear boss, this was the best year of my career. I accomplished, we helped, and everything, and then we guide them through writing this letter. And it's all about, about uh, what did you accomplish in terms of results what did you accomplish in terms of relationships. And when people have to forecast their wins, they're li- not likely to think about small things. They're likely to think about um, you know, big breakthrough bit- changes in their team or their business or, hey, I completed my MBA finally. Or you know they'll say some of those kinds of things. Um, The other is we have what we call an MIT huddle planner, where you sit down with your your boss. um, And, you know, if you're an individual contributor, you can use this technique with your boss. You don't need to wait for them to do it. And you say, hey, can I have 10 minutes? Can I have 10 minutes of your time each week? And this is what I want to talk about. What was the most important thing I accomplished last week? Gives you a chance to brag. What's the most important thing I want to accomplish this week? gives you a chance to make sure you're on alignment about what are, you're working on as the most important thing. And the way we've broken that down is what is the most important thing I accomplished last week and this week in terms of results and relationships? Because mostly people, when they meet with their their uh, you know supervisor, are talking about what is it that the, the things that they're supposed to be accomplishing. But maybe the most important thing you're, you need to do is go take a field trip to the other department that's been driving you crazy and have a sit down and have a cup of tea and talk about it.
1: That's fantastic. And as you're telling me this, Karen, something popped into my head, which was, this is not just a book for leaders. This is something that employees can use as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, it
0: is. In fact, we've had employees write to us and tell us how helpful some of the recommendations, even though it's written towards managers, it's helped the employees know how to interact and how to be effective and and enjoy their work more.
2: Yeah. And we just recently launched a brand new uh, workshop that uh, resonates really, really well. It was interesting because the CEO called and said, can you help me age the cheese? And uh, I'm like, what? <laughs> age the cheese. And he says, well, I've got these really, really good people. And they're individual contributors. And they're strong. And I think they can be great managers someday. But there's just there's some of the basics, the fundamentals of building relationships How do you give effective feedback to a peer? So we actually took all the Winning Well concepts and created a day-long workshop to, we're calling it real professionalism, but how do you focus on, you know, getting those relationships and um, the discipline for yourself to achieve and be a rock star in your role, basically.
1: Fantastic. As you know, a lot of my audience were, or rather some of my audience, they may not be business professionals, uh, they may be parents, they may be students. So how would the principles in your book apply to non-business people?
0: <laughs> it's funny you ask. We frequently will have people come up after seminars or keynote speeches or programs and things like that and, and say, hey, this is great and it's going to help me at work, but you know what? I'm going to go try this with my kids.
2: Yeah. And so Sebastian is my 11-year-old and... <laughs> He he knows all the language, uh, you know. We'll say, Sebastian, what's the MIT for today? And, and then he uses it back on us. Like we'll ask him to clean his room, he'll be like, "That's not the MIT. The MIT is studying for my test." <laughs> uh, so I think there are, the tools are simple enough. Um, how do you give effective feedback? Uh, we have the Inspire model of tough conversations, and it's really interesting. Uh, we were at a family gathering the other day and my uncle said how is it that you are able to have, help us have the hard hard conversations that nobody else wants to have in our family and i'm like well you do realize i do this for a living right so I, I really do believe the tools are simple enough that you know and the principles are right right in any role as a parent as a spouse as a you know as a, a pta volunteer showing up with confident humility you'll never go wrong right balancing results in relationships Yes,
0: and and every every parent, I mean, every role we're in, every relationship we have, there's some kind of results that we're trying to accomplish. So you know, the results parents want are healthy, interdependent children that are making their way in the world and having the impact they're supposed to have. So you know, parenting is just another kind of leadership, and leadership is relationship that's focused on results. So it all it all works together. You know, one of the the Tools that we'd share with every parent is also one that just last week one group we were with said this is the best tool in the entire book. It's called the check for understanding, and it's after you have a conversation about anything where action is supposed to happen. You just do a quick check in. Hey, let's make sure we're on the same page here. Um, what do you understand that we're doing next? And we do that with Sebastian all the time, and and he'll do it with us. And we also see where it doesn't happen, and. You know, he wanders home because I didn't do a check for understanding to express my desire for him to sit and wait for me right here. (laughs) And instead, you know, so those things happen. But boy, the the tools are so effective in in every capacity.
1: Really outstanding. And and as I was looking through your book, there was one chapter in particular that the title stuck out to me. Master the Metrics Maze which is chapter three. Could you talk to us a little bit about what that means?
0: Yes. Every organization needs measurement. And there are two ways that teams and organizations get lost in the metrics maze. One is they don't measure enough. And so they're wandering around, not knowing where they are and where they ought to be going and so on. And then in many organizations, you see the other extreme, which is a frantic reliance on me- metrics and measurements, and they're measuring 55 different things, and they're all important, and you can't actually get anything done or make any progress.
2: Yeah, so one of our clients, we they were a call center, and so they were measuring, they had an observation form, as you call into the call, then they say, well, did they greet the person you know warmly then did they get their email address they did they follow these five compliance steps and it was just as very it was literally like 55 metrics on this so their their results were not good they were not creating the, the kind of customer experience that they wanted and so we went through an exercise to focus on what is the mit their most important thing and they said well does the customer know how much we care do we provide clear and accurate information and was there a wow factor on the call and then we went and backward mapped that to how would we measure that? How would we measure that both in the observation of the call itself and with the external customer experience, what the customer said about it, and link those two together? Hell, I mean, the supervisors were so relieved. It just made their coaching with the development of their employees so much easier.
0: For folks who are not in management roles, it's the idea that, How frequently are you measuring? Are you measuring the right things? And there's only two or three of those things that you can take a look at. So if you're driving somewhere, it's looking at your speedometer and looking at the road signs to make sure you're going the right direction and in the right speed. If you're, if you have high blood pressure, you're not going to check your blood pressure every 10 minutes. That would increase your blood pressure. You're going to check it in the morning and at night. And then you're going to focus on doing the things that are going to matter, which are taking your medicine, getting your exercise and reducing or and improving your diet, you know the, that's the concept of how you escape the metrics maze. Is know what behaviors actually matter and focus on those critical behaviors, and then measure
1: just enough to know you're on the right track. And you guys also speak to in your book delegating, and that's one thing that I know a lot of leaders find challenging at times because leaders are accountable and leaders sometimes to a fault believe that they have to manage everything. So talk, talk to us about your strategies involving delegating so nothing falls through the cracks.
2: Well, it starts with a mindset that you really want to get to a place that you are doing work that only you can do. Your team needs you to be managing up and removing roadblocks, securing additional resources. They need you to be coaching and developing them. They sometimes need you to be dealing with customer escalations if you're in a certain kind of role. So if you are busy doing their work, you're not going to be able to appropriately do that. So first just get your head in the right place. And And, then I'll let David.
0: And that counts for parents too. (laughs) You know, you're talking about parenting and and although we don't think of delegating, but there, there is work in the, in the family relationship the parents ought to be doing and what can kids be doing for themselves and helping that independence to grow as well. So there's a parallel there, but the three steps to delegate so nothing falls through the cracks. The first is you want to be clear and delegate the outcome, not the process. So when you're delegating the process, that's micromanaging. No one enjoys that. So if someone's been trained, and knows how to do their job, describe what success looks like and turn them loose. The second step is to have a clear finish line. When is this thing due? And a lot of type A real driven folks will forget this one because their sense of urgency is when did I want this done? Well, yesterday. But realistically, we've got to give people a finish line. So we're going to be clear about what needs to happen. We're going to get a clear finish line. But the magic is really in the third step, which is we're going to set an appointment to receive that delegated task back. There's going to come a moment in time, maybe it's next Thursday at three o'clock, where we're going to sit down together and you're going to return whatever it was that you were doing back to me as the manager, as the leader, or as the parent, if the child's coming back with something that they did. And the idea is there is that you bake the accountability into the delegated assignment. Because what normally happens for most leaders, managers, and I think parents too, is we'll say, "Hey." I know I, I know I signed that task like six weeks ago, whatever happened to that thing? And then we're scratching our head, wandering around and have to go track it down. And that's frustrating to us. It's frustrating to the, the employee. And so if we've got a moment in time where they're going to return it back into us and go over what they did, if anything goes wrong where they're not going to be able to make that date, they're going to come and talk to you about it so that you're able to problem solve ahead of time.
1: Wonderful. And I, I wanted to touch on some potential trouble scenarios. You guys have described some wonderful tools and strategies, but you also address in your book, you know, what happens if your boss doesn't want to win or what happens if your team doesn't want to win? What is one to do in those situations?
2: Well, let me take the boss one. You can take your team. <laughs> so the uh, if your boss doesn't win, want to win or if they're focused on winning and something that you don't believe in, when you think about that, We talk about building a cultural oasis and uh, that means really defining what is it that you can accomplish within your scope and not worrying so much about the other thoughts and uh, what people are, are, you know, say, you know, if my boss is distracted by this, what is the most important thing that I can accomplish and help my team to accomplish? How can I show up with confidence and humility and results and relationships to make the biggest impact that I can?
0: And so then when you're talking about the teams, you really want to dive in and look at what's going on. And where we'll often start is trying to connect uh, the what to the why. Why are we doing this work? And if you've been laying a good foundation, that should be there. If you haven't or you've inherited a team or you're just starting down this journey, um, it's the place to start. Why is this important? Why does it matter? And we give you some tools to have those conversations, um, some fun ways to do that, to start with the big picture what do we exist to do in the first place? Why are we here? And then down to the level of why do we do this task that nobody enjoys um, and to really understand what's happening there. Um, another process that that can be helpful is to go on a, a question tour, a listening tour with your folks, just one person at a time, have a cup of coffee with each person and ask them, you know, what do you think we're capable of? What do, What would it look like if we were just to knock this out of the park and do our very, very best? And to have them thinking in a positive direction and you get a sense of, of what's possible there. And then you're getting their input into the um, vision for the team as well. And so you can create a shared vision that way. What are we capable of? What, will, what do we need to do as a team for us to get there? And then they're starting to provide some of those answers and they have some ownership of it in a way that maybe they've never had before. And then the final question is, hey, what do I as a leader need to do to make this happen? And then they are empowering you with the very things that they need from you that maybe they would never ask for. And almost always, if you have enough people, somebody's going to say, hey, you need to hold us accountable. And then you pull all that back together and say, hey, I've had, I've asked each of you these questions. Here's what I've heard. And it's a way to jumpstart and provide a little bit of juice to a shared vision that you can start pursuing together. Um, then from there, if you've done all those things, you've connected what to why and you're still not seeing that. It's time to start having the conversations with individuals about whether or not they're in the right role um, what they want out of their career you have to love people enough to have some of those honest conversations with them and ultimately you know we have a chapter in the book about even if you have to terminate somebody how to do that with dignity and compassion and and we're not talking about layoffs here we're talking about if you have to let somebody go for cause either for poor performance or or not doing or treating their colleagues well, things like that, um, that ultimately should be and can be an act of compassion and regard for that person as a human being to help them grow, to help them experience their full life as well as helping your team to, to succeed. Great
1: information. I know everybody who has a chance to pull this book down. I I know that the people who download this book are definitely going to get quite a lot out of it and will definitely post it within the links for the show. What I want to do now is I know that you guys, in addition to Let's Grow Leaders, in addition to the work you're doing with this book and the hoopla, as you said, Karen, for the marriage and mergers and all of these exciting things, is you both created an organization called Winning Wells, which exists completely outside of the scope of what you're doing for this book. Could you talk to us about Winning Wells and what you guys are doing there?
2: Yeah. So Winning Wells are clean water wells uh, that we provide in Cambodia. And we're in partnership with an organization called Together We Can Change the World. And it was interesting because we were working with them because we were getting ready to go on a philanthropic tour with them, which uh, is they, they take speakers to Southeast Asia to do work with the communities and, and give back of that kind of thing. And as we were learning about what this organization did and how we could best fit in, they mentioned that they, one of the side projects they do is they build these wells and we're like, oh my gosh, winning wells that <laughs> goes with our book. So that's how it all got started. But if, if a client books us for a keynote or a workshop and, uh, we then will give a portion of that money back to build a clean water well in Cambodia. So we've got 31 built so far, and we've been at this less than a year. So um, that, that, that is exciting. Our goal is to, you know, we've, we've designated, uh, we've got a whole strategy around this, and our goal is to do as many as we need to in Cambodia and then to expand from there.
0: And you know, it goes along with one of the messages that we have for every leader, every manager, whether you're a frontline leader, just newly promoted to the role, or you're a business owner and executive, is that leadership is more than just whatever product you make or whatever service you deliver. It's ultimately about the legacy that you're leaving in the world, and it's far beyond the daily tasks you're trying to accomplish. And so we, that's part of our belief and this is our way of living it out as well, and, and walking that talk. And we had the opportunity back in May. We launched Winning Well in Malaysia and Singapore, and did some speaking and so forth there. And then we went on the philanthropic piece in Thailand and Cambodia. And So we were able to visit some of the wells and see the difference that they're making for some of these families. Um, we met a, a little girl whose mom told us how she had been frequently going to the doctor. Little five-year-old girl, just full of, of vim and vigor, and and wonderful smile and she had been to the doctor constantly well they had their well put in about seven or eight months ago and with the filtered water and then also that's iron enriched um, as well uh, and there's a lot of anemia there that in just those few months her doctor visits had, had just about stopped Wow you know that just the impact that the water makes we saw another family Karen the, the this is my
2: favorite story because they had one of the nicer huts in Cambodia and I mean, there's still, there's still huts, right? But he said, I've been able to double the size of my home since this well. And I said, well, how, how is that possible? And he says, well, because I had the well, I could afford to plant a lemon tree and I could sell the lemon tree lemons for 25 cents a piece. So now I sold enough lemons. I was able to buy a chicken and now I could buy, now my chicken produces eggs. Now I sell lemons and eggs. And that has, that has made my income and the ability to support my family um, increase substantially. And now I've been able to reinvest in a bigger home, which, of course, is, has all its own benefits, too. So we don't think, I mean, that's why, I think that's why we picked this one, because it doesn't have to be an enormous investment. You don't need to go give a family $10,000, right? A well costs $500 to build, and, and it can make a big impact in somebody's life.
1: That is such a, both stories were so beautiful and and amazing. The link for this Winning Wells Foundation will be in the show notes and on the app as well so that people listening to this today can contribute and get some more filtered water wells built in Cambodia. Amazing. Thank you. We're at time. This has been absolutely terrific. And as you guys know, I always wrap up with a question that I ask my guests, which is what is their biggest helping? The single most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after listening to this episode today.
2: Yeah, so uh, I would say pick one thing that you wanna do differently. If you, if you read our book and there's, you know, there's hundreds of tools in there and it's easy to be overwhelmed and to try everything and you and whoever you're trying to help will all be overwhelmed by that. So start with one thing, invest in doing it well. Uh, maybe it's I'm going to ha- learn how to have tough conversations more effectively, or I'm going to have more confidence in, in my role and I'm going to show up stronger, or I'm going to write that end of year letter. Pick one thing and do it well. And then when you've uh, mastered that, then move on to the next thing.
0: And I would say the, the foundation for so much of what we talk about is clarity around where you're trying to go. Uh, you know we talk about clear expectations or when you 're doing that check for understanding what you 're really doing is making sure you 're both two people or a team of people are all going in the same direction and so if you 're struggling in life or if you 're wanting to achieve better business results or or work more effectively with your team, number one thing that that daily helping I would recommend is get super super clear on where you 're trying to go. what does success look like you look like? you with your team, with your work, with your family, with your health, whatever it is you're trying to do, to be able to
1: answer that question for yourself. What does success look like? And that will get you going on the right path. Fantastic. Where can people find you guys?
2: So our website is letsgrowleaders.com. Uh, that you can find out more about our organization, and that by the time this airs, probably <laughs> that will uh, that will be our new merged website. We're only a, a little bit away from that, but right now that's that's my website, and our book is at winningwellbook.com. Book is available at, at Amazon and in the Barnes and Nobles, and and pretty much anywhere that you you want would get a business book. So.
1: Terrific, and, and as I mentioned, we will also link. All of the things you've talked about today, your book, your organization, your workshop, et cetera, in the show notes, as well as on the Daily Helping app. So everybody can have access to that as well. And thank you guys for coming on. This was a lot of fun. And maybe we'll do this again sometime. I really enjoyed it. We so
2: appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Dr. And for all of you who tuned in today, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, go subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. That's what helps others find this podcast. And go out there and today, do something nice for someone else, even if you don't know them. Post it in your feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because we know that the happiest people are those that help others.